Welcome to Beer with Mates, a mental health discussion podcast where we, Oliver Powell, and Josh Calvito, attempt to break down the stigma surrounding mental health awareness in sport. Join us as we delve into the ups and downs of athletes through a myriad of sporting codes. And welcome back for another week of Beer with Mates. I say another week, it is our first week. Feels like we've done this a while, because we have lost the recording for our first episode. So we're back, re-recording the first episode. I am here with your host, with the most, Josh Calvito. How are we? How are we today? Um, He's pulled me on as a nice little co-host to help him out with this, but this creation was really something that came from Josh. Um, Is there... Anything you wanted to talk about with the creation? Um, no, nothing in particular. Just um, similar to the intro, just wanted to tackle the stigma. Um, it's just something that we all need to talk about. It's, there's no harm in just talking about how you're feeling. Absolutely zero problems with it. Um, before this, if anyone ever does want to talk to either of us, um, just reach out. We're here, to, we're here to listen. We're here to help. It might not actually help, but just talking to someone is just the, the first step you need to take. All right, let's start the discussion. We are here with our guest for the first week, James Noodle Arms Lidget. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Uh, so James has had quite a decent career through cricket, starting at a young age uh, as a very talented sportsman, making his way through Premier Cricket, and really started captaining a team at 18, in the Premier League, Premier League, Premier Cricket, uh, decent career. Uh, James, what does mental health really mean to you? Uh, yeah, I think it's something uh, really big, uh, something that probably has only just come to light for, for a lot of sports people in particular, um, and probably something that needs to be addressed a lot more because I think it's a large part of, of any sport, particularly elite sport. Um, so I touched on it last week on the podcast that was deleted, but rig management has obviously come into question when in your move to Bacchus Marsh. Um, have you found there's a whole different kind of acceptance of sloppier rigs in local cricket than there uh, is in Premier Cricket? Yes, uh, but in saying that, I think now I'm at uh, peak performance <laughs> for local cricket. Cricket ability is gone now. Self-respect for the gut has gone. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've definitely put on a few few kegs, but um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bit more relaxed um, in the, that sense of professionalism. Mm. Um, right, jumping into it, at a really young age, work on a pigeonhole as someone who's going to go on and do big things as a real elite cricketer. Was there a point in your career where you thought, this is going to happen? Um, I guess being told when you're, when you're young that you're going to go places. Um, yeah, you think it's going to happen, um, but when you're young, I guess you're sort of expecting things when it was, you know, it was easy back then, but... Um, once you sort of get a bit older and, and everyone catches up and, and starts training harder and that sort of thing, um, you kind of realise it's not just going to happen. It's It can be quite difficult. Um, so, yeah, I think early on I probably thought that I was, but um, 
found it more difficult as I went on. Mm. So I think pretty early on in this kind of campaign to get to that level, there was a point where we were at the Nets together because we used to hang around a bit where you really expressed a disinterest for the game, where you said that you really enjoyed the net sessions with the boys, but the game was really getting to you. Um, firstly, do you really remember that point where it was so hard to play cricket? Yeah, um, so it was a little while ago, but um, the actual game was no longer fun. Um, spending time with your friends is obviously always always going to be enjoyable, but um, the actual playing of the sport and um, that part of it was no fun and it was, I guess, a real difficult task to pick yourself up and actually go and, and play, um, which is not how, I guess, sport should be. Secondly on that, is there a part of that, James, that still exists today? Is there a disinterest for the sport in some way? Um, I think I'm more aware of how I'm feeling about my particular sport, which is cricket. Um, I, I can pick up if I'm starting to, I guess, dislike certain areas um, before it gets to a point where it's, I'm starting to hate it and, and can sort of adjust to it a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think just being aware probably helps, but I imagine if I kept doing things I didn't like for a longer periods of time, it probably would still happen. Um, everything in moderation, I suppose. Um, was there any particular tricks or anything that you learnt to kind of cope with that whilst you were going through it? Uh, while I was going through it, initially, I did not deal with it healthily. Um, just, I was angry, which is probably, I guess, a way humans, in inverted commas, cope, but not a very good way of coping with it. Um, yeah, anger and hatred, so looking back on it, that's that's not a way, or not a positive way to deal with it, um, and I think that's probably what this podcast is, trying to find ways to deal with that sort of thing. Um, and I think probably talking to people is is huge with how you're feeling. Um, yeah, coaches are there to talk to about how you're feeling as well as actually skill-based things as well. Yeah, so I'd say with a lot of young cricketers, there's probably a common occurrence that isn't really talked about. So you've just touched on talking to your coaches. Is there anything else that you really suggest to young athletes that are struggling in these times? Um, well, it's difficult, I suppose. Uh, talking is the first step, but um, I guess going back to you thinking about why you started playing cricket or, or why you enjoyed it originally and then just going back to that, stripping it back to just you know enjoying the sport itself um, and not focusing on the things that are making you dislike it so much. Perfect. Um, and obviously all the hard work paid off because you did get to play for Victoria as a teenager. Um, and then obviously you were the captain of a Premier Cricket Club at the age of 18. Um, being the captain would be very hard. There'd be a lot of pressure on you. Um, you're the man in charge. You're the man who has to pull people in line. How did you manage that pressure at such a young age? Um, yeah, obviously it was was difficult. Um, I probably wasn't necessarily aware of how the job was or what to do with the job. Um, I was a bit inexperienced at the time when I took on the role. Um, hadn't had a lot of captaining experience. Um, how did that come about? I guess I was, we, we were a struggling 
club and we were, we were looking for a big name player to come in and, and take on that um, captaincy role and I sort of threw it out to the coach at the time, you know, if you need someone, you know. There's no bigger name than James Lidget. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I just said, look, I'm happy to to uh, give it a go. Um, and I guess sort of season got closer and closer to starting and I thought nothing of that comment earlier and I sort of got closer and we hadn't picked any up, uh, picked up any players and I was like, oh, this, this might actually happen. And uh, yeah. Sort of very close to the season, a couple of weeks out, I got told that um, you know, take on take on the job. Now you um, you struggled a little bit in your first year as captain with your actual performance. Um, what was it like for you to fail on the field and then have to pull someone in line when they'd failed? Uh, yes, yeah, so I remember particularly the first half of the season when I was captaining. I was um, yeah, I had quite a string of low scores. Um, in saying that, I think whilst being around the team, I was able to say, look, I need to put aside my performance because, for the betterment of the team um, because, you know, it is a team sport. Um, so I think I was able to on the field, but I guess off the field when I was by myself a bit more, um, I guess those thoughts about my own performance came into my head a little bit more, but um, tried not to show it too much whilst with the team trying to stay positive with them. For sure, yeah. Um, obviously now, captain coach of the entire club. Um, very successful, might I say. Um, we'll just say the Backsmarsh Cricket Club, yeah. not just the club. The club, <laughs> but yeah, the Backsmarsh Cricket Club. Um, you handle the training, selection, admin, everything in between. Um, what does this experience compare to captaining at the professional standard of cricket? Yeah, so I suppose there's more... Uh, more jobs in there you're saying with the uh, assistance with selection admin training that sort of thing um whilst it's being not as professional um it's still quite a big task um i guess you've probably got more coaches and assistants around you at the higher level to be able to take on parts of those roles and um, while i've still got some good assistance at local level there's there's not um i guess not as many people putting their hand up to assist with that sort of thing, um, so it is quite challenging, quite time-consuming. I spent a lot of time uh, at home, at work, um, just thinking about training players, that sort of thing, um, recruiting, just all the all the little bits of pieces in between that aren't just your personal performance. Um, so you've obviously been at the helm of two very different teams, with an elite-level team and a local cricket team. I know you've had to experience a couple of times in that lead into finals, dropping people, my brother. <laughs> <coughs> Jerk. <laughs> um, did you really have to do anything like that in your elite cricket leadership? And is there a bit of a difference? Um, I was probably lucky when I was playing Premier Cricket that um, the coach, I had a really good support group with the coach there. Um, who probably took on a lot of those difficult tasks to try and allow me to work into the role a bit better there. Um, but dropping people, it's probably, it, it is the worst part of the job. Um, just seeing them, they, they're they obviously hurting and that sort of thing. Um, you know, they, they love their cricket as much as I do and, and they want to be there. So... Mm. Yeah, and, and particularly when it's your friend. I mean, I've known your brother since we were about 
eight or eight or nine yeah, or something. So I've known him for nearly twenty years, and just to to say, oh, mate, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it bums you out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, got, again, you got to separate well, I've had a, the friendship from the coaching. I've had a very similar experience. I know all three of us on this couch are a very big fan of Matt the lesbian we played with and he was a very big stalwart in my team for a long time playing in the third grade and having to drop him for a final and having him have to kick up a little bit of a hissy fit was quite heartbreaking um how do you really differentiate the game from the friendships um it's well for me personally it, it's nearly impossible um i'm quite a quite a high highly emotional person um so i've found it really, really difficult. Um, I guess it's probably similar um, to what I was saying before with um, while they're doing it, taking the professional role, I do it, but then once I'm behind closed doors, back at home, it hits you a little bit. Um, you know, I talk to my girlfriend about it and say, oh, no, I've had to, you know, I've dropped so-and-so this week. That really sucked. Um, so yeah, again, talking to people does help. She's very positive and, and helps you through it, helps me through it. So um, yeah, again, just it's really hard to actually differentiate and separate the two. Um, with cricket focusing so much on statistics, has there ever been a kind of wish that you were pushing for a game that didn't really point out your bad, <laughs> bad games? Um, I like numbers. I'm a bit of a nerd. I love numbers, maths, that sort of thing. So um, I don't mind it necessarily. Obviously, it's a lot nicer when you're performing well. You can have a you know look at it and say, hey, have a look at this. But uh, on, the, on the flip side, when you're not doing so well, it can really reflect on that. Um, and yeah, it can affect you mentally as well. Um, confidence is obviously a huge thing in all sports. So um, yeah, being able to, I guess, negate some of those bad thoughts if you're not performing. Um, and then soaking all the positive when you are performing um, stats-wise is important. But in saying that, stats aren't everything. I think we've probably all going to learn that. Um, they can lie to a point. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Um, was going to go towards... I've kind of lost where I was going here. But um, obviously there's been a bit of a change in what you're wearing since the first podcast we did. Um, you've decided to come in in an Essendon Premier Cricket jumper. Just to remind us of how good you are and how much better you are than Bacchus Marsh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just like a few of the boys like to come in with their uh, representative training. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just some casual get up. <laughs> Is it really just a confidence thing? Just come in and say, well, look at me. I'm the big guy. Um because I think it would look very good if you started wearing that to training. Oh, I think I'd get quite a few of <laughs> did that. You, you can't be doing that. Um, honestly, it was a purely a comfort thing now. You put me all Um You yeah. hide from a lot of things at training. Hey? You don't bat in the nets either. You're too scared to face the quicks. No, nah, if I schnick off, it's exactly oh, yeah. good oh. for the ego, is it? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Imagine Conzi getting you out or Homer. Oh, uh, no. Conzi did get me out. Oh, no. Oh, no. Once. That's why I don't bat anymore. <laughs> should just say happy birthday to Conzi. We're recording this on his birthday. Yeah, no, happy not birthday, a chance. Conzi. I don't talk to Conzi anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was there a really a big high point that you can remember from your career that you look back on very fondly? Yeah, uh, my first 
Premier 100, I remember it was in the uh, third 11 playing at Princess Park against Carlton. Uh, I was 14 at the time. Um, we were batting second, chasing 230-odd. Came in at, I think it was 2 for 4, in a bit of, bit of trouble, and um, yeah, just felt really good that day. Um, and ended up making my, my, my first 100. Um, I remember the shot too, it was nice lofted drive over mid-off. Um, oh. And to be honest, I didn't really know what was happening. I'd never made 100, so I didn't know how to celebrate, but the boys on the on the sidelines were going absolutely crazy. Um, and, and the game was obviously very tight at that time. Um, so yeah, that was a big, big highlight. And I guess just to finish it off, we ended up actually tying the game. Um, yeah, needing three off the last ball and got two. So um, yeah, quite, quite a, quite a memorable game. Um, I guess for the result-wise and, and individually. That's such a vastly different experience to Ollie's first hundred, where yeah. he, he well, made the hundred and threw up on the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, what celebration did you go for in that situation? Uh, I think I ended up just getting the big bear hug from from my mate at the other end. Um, I don't even know if I, I think I might have raised the bat a little bit, but no helmet off or anything. Just I don't know. I guess hadn't seen David Warner at that age. Yet, so, <laughs> no running so, jump. So I didn't need. To, I didn't didn't really know how to celebrate properly. Um, although I do think that's a bit extravagant yeah. from him. But anyway, because I do think my first choice because I could see my score on the scoreboard first time ever, and I flicked three off my pads and came through and I pulled off the floppy and did the biggest Virat Kohli bat over the shoulder, swing it, and then within 30 seconds I was bent over vomiting on the ground because I'd had quite a large night out the night before and it obviously affected my performance in a very good way, yeah. especially being dropped on one, it always helps. Peak performance. <laughs> um, obviously we can't really talk about the happiest point without talking about the saddest point. Um, anything that you really look back on with big disdain yeah well, unfortunately this is the second time we're gonna have to have brought it up um, yeah. <laughs> there was one particular time when I was really struggling and and um, I was a bit burnt out disliking the game um, and was struggling with the bat quite a bit um, I think I might have got dropped and just looking for something to get the season going um, and I ended up getting a free hit early on in my innings. Someone bowled no ball and I was on strike. The field couldn't change. They had a couple of slips in, so there was plenty of gaps in the field. All right, I'll have a crack. Hopefully get a boundary and, you know, might get me going a little bit. So uh, bowler bowled it. I ended up getting a thickish outside edge, sort of wide of, of second slip. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll head off. Might go down to third man for a couple. Started running and uh, second slip's taken a one-handed... Uh, catching his left hand and while laying down, thrown down the stumps and, and run me out off the free hit. So, uh, yeah, the only way to go out off a free hit is, is run out. So, yeah, that sort yeah. of summed up my my season or, or just that period, you know, when things are going bad, they yeah. go pretty bad. It's very painful to hear. It's just one of those throw the helmet at the walls kind of moments oh, where yeah. you just, you just lose your shit, lose your sheet, throw your helmet, <laughs> pads go to the one side or the other of the uh, corner. So. Yeah, some choice words. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a big name that you really remember playing against? Uh, I've been lucky enough to play against uh, quite a few. Um, Glenn Maxwell, obviously, I think a lot of people would know. Um, and Andy got you out. Yes, he got me out, um, but no shame in that. Getting out to an international cricketer, it's yeah. quite an achievement. Not many people can say that. <laughs> uh, did, did you at least play a decent shot to him? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
leaves the best shot. Yeah, so just left one, bowled me, well bowled Glenn. Um, and uh, lucky enough to play against uh, James Pattinson, which was very exciting and terrifying at the same time. Um, yeah, good challenge, that one. Yeah, so that first ball off Jimmy, did you see it at all? Uh, late, I saw it late. Um, it swung too, so it was fast and swinging and thought, oh, First time we did this podcast, you said he was well on 160 clicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. He was trying to get back into the Aussie side. Yeah, you so said first was... ball he tried to bump you and you smacked him over square leg to six. <laughs> a bit of a change there. I wish. I wish. Oh, I just wanted some bad on ball, to be honest, because uh, first ball hit me in the pad and it still hurt through oh. the pad. So. But um, I, I actually did think about this uh, after last time and by far the most difficult bowler I've had to face, though, was Farwad Ahmed. Had me in absolute really? all sorts. I oh. just didn't know what to do. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a leg spinner, yeah. um, so it's not necessarily scary from a physical getting hurt point of view, but just his variations and, and his ability to, you know, obviously, a big turner of the ball as well. Um, yeah, I don't think I lasted very long, but made me made me look like a fool. Well, kind of bringing in the whole mental aspect to the mechanics of the game because a lot of stuff with cricket is watching the hand watching how the bowler bowls it when you're in that moment of like fuck I'm facing Farwood Ahmed shit's going through your head was it hard to concentrate on what he was doing trying to pick those variations um I think the the funny thing was I remember I I actually picked his his uh quicker ball um I picked it out of his hand because there was a gap I could see he was going to flick it out the front Uh, even though I picked it didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I still played and missed. I, I knew what he was doing and, and knew what was going to come down, but just he, he's just that class above um, that I still, yeah, still made me look like a fool even though I could pick it. So I guess part one was picking it and part two still trying to actually play a decent shot to it. Um, and, Did you take any runs off him? Uh, yeah, I hit him over the top, over his head once. Ooh. Just, just, just <laughs> cleared me off. Um, yeah, not, not a very nice shot, but... Um, <laughs> could still say it him for four and then I think he got me out caught a bat pad not long after um yeah just classy leg spin stuff yeah do you miss playing the turf cricket and playing against names like this uh yeah absolutely I do it's something I do think about semi-regularly I'm quite a competitive person uh generally speaking um athletes who have played at high levels are very competitive people and do enjoy the competitive aspect of sport um so that's something I definitely uh, definitely do miss. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's part of the reason that some of us like to play. We like to compete against the best and, and show how good we are. So, yeah. yeah, definitely miss that part of it. Obviously, you've been up at the higher level and now you're back down at a community level. Um, throughout your whole career, was there ever just a point where it just got too much for you, the mental side of it? Uh, yeah, being burnt out, definitely at, I think, probably 14, 15 years old, I think, sort of around there. And, and genuinely hating the game. It was too much. Um, but, again, semi being forced to continue to go to training, um, additional trainings as well with representative stuff, um, because you're told you're, being, you, you know, you're supposed to be a future star, you've got to go do these things, but you just don't want to. Outside of cricket, how did that affect your actual life with your study and, and just your social relationships as well? Yeah, it... Uh, it filters back through to life at home, I, I found anyway. Um, you know, I got quite depressed, very 
angry, um, very short-tempered with family and that sort of thing, um, which, you know, obviously it's not their fault, not, not necessarily fair on them, but that, that was the result of it. And, um, you know, obviously very important family, the most important thing, which is why mental health, we need to, you know, tackle that because, you know, if I'd, I basically lost my family for a little bit, um, my sisters, I'm very close with them now, but they were scared of me and hearing that they were scared of me, you know, looking back on it now, that's, that's not how it should be. Um, so I guess I was lucky that I've got them back, but, um, you know. From that point, that. how did you get out of that? To be honest, I, I, I clicked. I, I literally just clicked. I think I was maybe 17 or 18, and I don't know what it was. Um, I just sorted it out in my head and say, hey, this this isn't right, um, and I shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. Um, so unfortunately, I probably can't give too much advice with it. It, it just happened, and I feel very fortunate that it just happened because I'm obviously a lot happier now than I was then. Um, but I, if we can try and prevent getting to the stage where I was, that would be obviously ideal. So looking back, you can't really remember if there was any kind of exterior factors that helped you push to this decision or anyone around you that helped you get that way? It might have been growing up, but it might have been me just realising and, and then, I guess, subconsciously opening back up to my family, uh, even my friends. I sort of secluded myself a little bit from them as well, just wanted to be by myself. And, um, yeah, just deciding that things had to change and opening up to people. I think, again, we've spoken about it a couple of times, talking to people is hugely important to mental health and usually the first step to, I guess, recovering or, or seeing things differently. Um, so that's probably the one there. I think um, to get to a high level, you do have to make some sacrifices, obviously, as well. Um, but it just, if it gets to that point, for anyone that does listen, you just sort of got to take a step back and go, okay, is this affecting my family? Is this affecting my friends? What are people starting to think or perceive me as because you don't want to be you don't want to be looked at in that way like it's just the mental health has got to be priority number one 100 percent, especially in this stuff yeah um i guess balance is a good word there balance definitely this one's gonna feel like a bit of a hardball but do you feel like you you've fallen short of where you could have been uh Probably not as much now, but I know when I first was making the decision to move from Premier Cricket back to local cricket, I really wrestled for months. It was definitely months I wrestled with um, the thought of failure. Um, and failing is probably one of my biggest fears. Um, so that, that was probably... It was probably the... Th Thing. I mean, obviously, I was injured to start thinking about coming back to Premier Cricket, uh, to local cricket because I couldn't perform at Premier Cricket. But um, that thought of failing and not being good enough to go to that next level was quite painful. Because um, yeah, it's it's scary. It's scary. And did you come close to getting to that next stage from Premier Cricket, the Victorian team, or any state representative squads? It's hard to tell. Um, they they don't uh, the higher ups don't necessarily tell you how close you are. I'd like to think I was definitely in in the talk, um, particularly after I had a pretty good under 19s uh, Vic 
Carnival opening the batting. Um, I would have liked to have thought at that point, I think I was averaging 40s or 50s in Premier Cricket as well, that I was perhaps close to, to something. Um, but in saying that, I, I won't really know. No one will really know. Um, but yeah, that, that was probably at my peak, I think, around that 19 age, yeah. Just backtracking a little bit, um, you expressed last week, obviously listeners in here, but you kind of got a bit of pleasure once you've made that move back to Bacchus Marsh. So obviously yeah. after your decision there was quite a fair bit of pain and suffering. When did you really kind of click to this new... I reckon it was about two weeks into training with um, the club and, and I realised, I, I said it earlier, going back and stripping it down to actually enjoying the game, and I found the love for the game again. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't enjoyed... I, I actually... I think I said it to my parents. I didn't... I don't remember enjoying cricket like this. Was cricket ever this enjoyable? Because it was always... It was almost a... It was always a career or, or a job or... Yeah. Um, taking it as professionally, it wasn't just for fun. And people play local cricket because they want to, not because they have to. Um, and yeah, I had an absolute blast. Um, no pressure to go to the next level or no pressure on myself to perform because I wasn't trying to go to, you know, higher levels. Um, it was brilliant. It was almost a relief to be, to be totally honest. Um, a relief. With the feeling about how, when you made that decision, do any of those emotions still come back up about falling short in a way um not not too much uh i i still like to think you know what you know what could i have done or or whatnot but but i'm a lot more comfortable with my decision now um i think i'm more comfortable because i'm happy yeah um and you know even if i was playing Premier Cricket or going to the next level, would I be as happy as I am now? Um, and, you know, enjoying life and being happy is probably more important than, than that sort of thing, and, and that's, I guess, where the big part of mental health comes into it. Um, I'm certainly happier than I was Do you think that... Do you, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. Um, do you think that answer would change if the team hadn't been so successful as coach? Uh, probably not too much. Um, I, I know a lot of the boys from quite a young age at our local level, and I don't know what it is. I got to love Backers Marsh Creek Club. They're all, you know, a great bunch of guys, um, and I think I'd still enjoy that side of it, just the social side of it. It's so much fun. Um, training's fun. There's lots of laughter and enjoyment throughout it. So I think I actually think the on-field success stems from that enjoyment. Yep. Um, because we all just love being out there and spending time together. So I actually think it works the other way around. For those that aren't aware of the um, of the sort of successes, James came to the club and he... I, I wasn't there, but he, um, he won two straight flags in the Premier Division of our league um, and then made a semi-final this year as well with a team that's probably wasn't as strong, which was still an awesome effort. And James made 700-odd runs this year. 790. 
just needed someone to bat with him. I knew exactly what it was, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> At an average of 65.83. Uh, Thanks, Ollie. Yeah. So you fell a bit short there. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the key is not batting in the net, so... Oh, uh, yeah, maybe I should try that. Stop rocking up to training. Cancel training altogether, will we? <laughs> um, with that first year, obviously you came in without the coaching role and you won a flag. Your decision to coach, did it come before the flag or after the flag? Uh, I think it had been briefly mentioned to me, would you like to possibly take it on? And um, I, I'd done a little bit of coaching prior with uh, some of the representative uh, junior teams and, and really enjoyed it. Um, I get quite a lot of joy out of seeing other people uh, that you coach succeed. Um, so was excited to take on the role of head coach. Um, so probably I probably knew that I wanted to do it roughly the same time as, as we won the premiership, I think. Yeah, was it? A bit of a big temptation to take on a team that was having so much success at the time. Um, I don't know if the success was something that I wanted to... Well, obviously success is nice, but it wasn't the thing that drew me to it. I think it was... I, I love coaching kids and seeing them succeed. That That is why a lot of people do coach, I think, um, to get that enjoyment out of it. Um, you know, particularly at local level, a lot of coaches, you know, they're not going to be getting paid massive amounts. They do it because they love it. They have a passion for it. They enjoy it. Um, there's something other than, you know, money involved in it as to why they, they actually want to do it. Do you believe there's a problem in local cricket and really other local sports about how we handle young elite athletes? Um, it's It's hard to call it a problem because I think we're not aware of it or not as aware of it being a problem, which I think we're, we're progressing towards being aware of it. Um, and I think that's probably the first step um, for a lot of coaches. Um, I know I've done a bit of coaching, um, I guess learning to coach recently, and there's quite a, a bit on, you know, it's not actually so much technical learning, it's how to approach the people, how to approach the kids, um, and make sure that the huge focus is they're enjoying it um, and having fun. So I think that's probably, yeah, it needs to be a focus and, and move towards that. Do you reckon the method of coaching young stars has changed in your time? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's gone from purely being quite technical to, um, I guess, letting people discover themselves, how they want to play, um, but also... From, a, from a, I guess, a mental side of things, how they want to be when they play. Um, you know, to a point, um, letting them play or be themselves when they're playing. Um, throw a bit of play with almost sometimes emotion um, and, and flamboyance of or how they are as, as people. Yeah. Do you reckon that's kind of changed over recent times because you've got people like Steve Smith who are so unconventional and now it's not the we go by the textbook, it's more of a, yeah, as you said, a confidence thing, building the confidence in them and the way they play. There is small things, obviously, you say, like even when I'm batting and you'll say, make sure yeah. front arms are properly, shoulders are aligned, but... I guess the way I sort of look at it is if it works, don't touch it. Yeah. Let them let them figure it out for themselves. Mm. Um, however, if there is an issue, that's when 
you address it. So, for example, your brother. Yeah. <laughs> probably one of the ugliest, ugliest techniques I've ever seen. But it works. Oh, yeah. It works for him. I, and, and I will not touch him. I will not tell him how to bat or do things differently because I've never seen anything like it. The step but, out it the, but it works for him. The step out the first first slip to flick one over square legs. Yeah, but, but, but it works for him and he scores runs. So, um, you know, who am I to say that that is wrong? Yeah. You you do you. Um, and obviously your brother's quite a different character as well, so yeah. it reflects him a little bit too. Uh, yeah. You know, let, let him play like let him play like him. On on that, who do you think is the most talented player you've ever played with? They don't have to necessarily have been the best, but who do you think is the most talented player you've ever played with? <laughs> not Ollie. Sorry, Ollie, not <laughs> Ollie, you don't you're not in this conversation. Oh, my, so so you're confidence. talking naturally just gifted. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few. I mean, we all know Cuzzo. Yeah. He's pure class. Oh my god. Um, so so classy that it makes you sick. Um, <laughs> and, and he does it so easily. He just, just makes the game look easy. Um, nothing will ever like to this day in my first ever game in the Max. Cuzzo's just ramping the opening bowlers. He's kid's <laughs> 16 years of age. Yeah. Ramping bowlers by 120. You can't be oh, doing that, Cuzzo. Nah. Yeah. There's a few like that. There's been a few who. Uh, there was one at Premier Cricket named Aaron Shelley, um, and I hope he doesn't hear this because he'll get a big head about it. <laughs> the most incredible eye I've ever seen. Um, just throws it away nearly every time. But yeah. Just he can go out there from ball one and smash a six. Just mm. easy. I, I don't know how he does it, but um, yeah, incredible, incredible eye and talent. So you think with someone like Mace to nurture? his growth is it more now about his technical ability because you said it's there is it more now towards going to where he is mentally and making sure this big shift between his pretty much childhood adulthood with cricket is that what you're going to start focusing on well that's that's usually how i approach things as a coach um i think once you get to his age um their technique to a large extent is what it is mm. Um, so it's teaching them the mental side of cricket, the tactical, um, strategic planning, that sort of thing, um, which was one of my focuses in the, um, when I was coaching the under-16s or assisting in the coaching the under-16 Dowling Shield. Um, the kids are obviously the best of the bunch. Um, they've got techniques, they've got talent. How can we get them to the next level? And I think that's probably something when I was that age... I probably hadn't learnt. Um, I was going off talent, but I wasn't a huge thinker of the game. Yeah. And that's something, you know, if we can be aware of the mental aspect, thinking of the game, I think that's how you can get from that next big step going up. Is there any young players you're playing with right now that you really think are going to take that next big step? Sneaker just put his hand up. Don't I'm surprised you can even lift it that high <laughs> after the shoulder surgery. Um... Uh, obviously, one of the up-and-comers for us is, is young Hamish Garner. Um, oh, he just oozes class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, he's one of those kids you just look at. You, you could throw him in the in the first net at training. Uh, how old is he now? Is he, what, 15? He's 14. 14. 14 15. Oh, even worse. 14. <laughs> 14. You could throw him in the first net, and, and it would just nothing seems to trouble that kid. Um, just class, technique... Um, and I, I can't wait to see him 
progress in his cricket. I, I can't wait to bat with him at some As point. Faces our fastest bowlers with his under twelve pads on and just drives them yeah, straight back. He's one of those batsmen. He's one of those batsmen, but that brings out the best in everyone when he's at training because oh, yeah. he's so technical. And this kid's only fourteen, but he's so technically like sound that. As a bowler, you really have to set a plan to him. If even if you're in the nets, people. you want to get him out because of how good he is. He challenges people. It's great. No, I don't rate him. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what's next for James Lidget? Uh. Well, I don't have too many immediate plans. I'm sort of taking it bit by bit because, uh, again, I guess learning about my mental health and that sort of thing. Uh. It's. I'm basically going to do whatever makes be happy or whatever I'm enjoying um, and at the moment that's playing local cricket with some some really good mates um, who I've known for a long time and some who I've met uh, when I moved back and, and gotten close to um, it's such an enjoyable place to be so I don't plan on anything outside of that uh, at the moment um, how important is the maintenance of mental health now in sport oh, it's it's huge um, it's, it's as big as anything, I think. Um, it, it affects performance. And I think people are realising now, more than previously, how much it does affect your performance, um, confidence, um, and, and just your enjoyment of the game. So um, it's as much of an importance as, as the technical side. Um, probably finish up on this one. How are you now? mental health was uh definitely a lot better than i was still still have issues here and there i'm, I'm sure most people have their their ups and downs um yeah obviously you know, from a personal point of view i've struggled through anxiety depression um and it still ebbs and flows still have challenges with it um to to this day but um i guess being more open with it now um, being able to, you know, just being able to see that, you know, if I needed to, I can talk to people. You know, I haven't spoke to you guys about mental health specifically before this, but I mean, I think I could now quite comfortably, if yeah. needed, be able to have a chat to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, have a have a beer with a mate. Yes, that's it. That's just it. Just to, you know, help calm things down or, or prop me back up. Well, I think. You're obviously a very unique player, but unfortunately you've gone through something that is not really a unique situation anymore as a young sportsman struggling with mental health. Is there any tips that you'd give to these young guys going through? Uh, yeah, definitely talk to people. Talk to as many people as you can, coaches, friends, family, people you're, you're comfortable to. Just try and open up to them. Um, and I think the main thing is you, you've got to enjoy your sport. You've got it. I think that's the number one thing. If you don't enjoy it, um, yeah, your mental health will deteriorate. So finding a way to enjoy your sports, number one. Um, think back to why you started playing cricket or, or any sport for that matter. Um, what aspects of it did you enjoy? And and go back to those. Cool. Thank um, you, James. Just want, yeah, thanks, James, for coming no worries, on. It's, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, I will just kind of delve into something that's happened in my personal life. Um, my partner's brother, unfortunately, passed away recently. He turned 21 in January. Um, 
did suffer a bit from depression and unfortunately got to a point where he couldn't go on anymore. And now a lovely family has lost a brother, an uncle, a son. Um, this doesn't really need to happen anymore. It never has needed to happen. And unfortunately, because of the stigma around talking, it's so hard for these people to get help. So I just want to reach out. And I know people suffer and I know how hard it is to talk. I've suffered from depression and anxiety for a long time. And I understand it's hard to talk about these things. And I just want to let the people listening know they can talk to us. If they want to message the group, even if you don't really know us, sometimes they can help to talk to someone that you don't really know. Um, messages, I'll give you my personal number, call me anytime. And if you feel you need to, the Beyond Blue number is 1300 224636. Also, messages if you've got a story you want to tell or you've got any advice. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.